two weeks ago when we had church, um, Kyle talked about sort of the foundation of prayer and sort of the motivation behind prayer, kind of gave a big picture. And so we're going to chunk it up a little bit as we go forward. I'm going to talk this week about the thought of unanswered prayer, which is an interesting topic um, because there's really no text per se to go to on that one. Give it a lot of thought and is my my style. I tend to give things more a practical view. And so I want to give you a practical viewpoint of what it means, the thought of prayer not being answered. Because prayer is such a simple, right? It's such a simple activity. My two-year-old granddaughter can do it. And so on one level, it's just really basic, but it's also really profound, uh, really complex, really important. And wow, this thing is hot. Maybe that's slightly better. But maybe in its simplest definition, um, prayer is just talking to God, communication with God, communication with God on one level. But what's profound about prayer is the outcome. What happens when I pray? So the prayer part is almost the easy part. It's the outcome that either moves mountains, literally or figuratively, or we just hear this heavenly silence. And so that's the part that kind of gets to us, like, what does that mean when it's silent? We like the mountains that move, but, but the silent part. But yet we're told, Paul told the church in Thess- Thessalonica, he said, pray without ceasing. Just keep praying. Um, so the Bible is full of references related to the power of prayer. And just to cite one of those, um, you remember Jesus came in contact with a boy who had the demon from birth, and the, the apostles couldn't. Couldn't, couldn't heal that guy, couldn't cast him out. And Jesus came and, and took care of it. And they said, what happened? What did what, you do? And he said, you know what? This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Which is just a powerful statement on the power of prayer. This kind needs prayer. But maybe not as common, though, is the power of unanswered prayer. Or the power of heavenly silence. That's what I want to talk about today. So I was driving to work a couple weeks ago on one of those snowy mornings. You know, a couple weeks ago it was snowy every morning. And I was driving on Sugar Creek, and it's oh dark 30 when I go to the rec center. And it might have been going a little fast. That might have been a possibility. I've been known to do that. And there was a plow coming at me. You know those plows? They look like you're going to shear off half your car, and you don't those huge blades. You're not used to seeing them. So I'm staring at the plow as the plow's coming at me. And he's a little ways away. And I'm kind of looking at the plow, figuring, like, where should I go? Should I drive into the field? So I'm not looking right in front of me. I'm looking way out there. And then for whatever reason, I stopped to kind of look in front of me. And there's these two huge deer right off my side. It's like, oh, they're like 20 feet in front of me. There's no way I can stop. There's no way I can swerve. There's no way I can break. So I'm sure they're just going to stay right. No, they, he comes right out in front of me. And as I listen to the sound of crunching steel and broken glass, because I've hit deer before, I know what that sounds like. It was only then that I realized that the angel that's always sitting on the hood of my vehicle had moved the hindquarter of the deer, not much more than an angel's width away from my quarter panel of my car. And so I missed that deer through no fault of my own. And my utterance audibly at that moment was, thank you, Jesus. See, at that moment, I experienced the power of unprayed answers. I never prayed that one, but God chose to Give me the answer. We like the unprayed answers, but we're not too fond of the unanswered prayers. 
And I must confess, as I was putting some thoughts together for this and praying for wisdom and praying for words, because I don't just crank out sermons. I really want to make sure that God is speaking through me. I thought, what if he doesn't answer me? What if I get this message like, you know, I prayed and I just didn't get any answers, so sorry, but (laughs) God didn't do that. So let's look at the two, um, answer prayer and unanswered prayer, and see if this resonates with you or if it's too much of an overgeneralization, but the delineation between answered prayer and unanswered prayer. Answered prayer is I'm seeing God work in me, around me. I'm seeing God work. Unanswered prayer, I'm just seeing God work in me. Right, answered prayer, I see the power of God. In unanswered prayer, I see the power of God in my personal growth or my need for personal growth. You know, the old no pain, no gain, because unanswered prayer can be painful. And like so many other disappointments in life, we either get bitter or we get better when our prayers aren't answered. So I was listening to a couple um, discuss conflict in a younger married couple. And the wife, had asked, the wife had asked the husband to do a few things and asked, suggested the husband should respond in this way to his family, some different things. And the husband didn't do what she wanted him to do. And so, and I quote, since you don't do what I'm suggesting you should do, I feel like you're not listening to me. And I thought, boom, that's it. Since God doesn't do what I'm asking him to do, I feel like he's not listening to me because I'm not getting the desired outcome that I want. And it's super easy to come to that conclusion unless we look at the silence from heaven through another lens. See, I'm suggesting there's at least two lenses to look through for the, for the heavenly silence or the unanswered prayer. First one is, why is God not answering my prayer? And that's probably the more common one that, that we ask. God, what are you, why? What, what are you doing? But maybe a better lens is, God, what are you doing in me through the process of me waiting for you to answer my prayer. So we're going to spend most of our time this morning on the second one, but I, I got to give some, some deference to the first one. Um, because we're always looking, uh, we're always looking to put a bow on life's hard issues. We, we, want to, we want it to make sense in our mind. And so we want to put a bow on it, especially, especially in Christian circles. We, we just want to wrap it up, make it nice. And so even talking about maybe four possibilities of why we experience unanswered prayer is, in a sense, putting a bow on it. And I don't want to do that because sometimes there is no bow. But I'm going to talk about the four possibilities that God might be not answering our prayers. Well, I guess maybe there could be, maybe there could be five. One, if, if one of them is, well, God just can't do that. He's incapable. Well, the Bible doesn't really support that, so we're back to the four. So one thing uh, could just be God saying no, you know, request denied. And we don't really like that one. And in fact, that's not an unanswered prayer. That's an answered prayer. The answer was no. But we maybe didn't hear that because we were concerned about praying it more and praying it more. You think of the child who's had flu and the child um, wants this big, sloppy, greasy piece of pizza. And mom says, no, no, we can't do that. And the child may not like that answer, but the child heard the answer. But an unanswered prayer... We, nece- we don't necessarily hear an audible in our spirit, no. And so we just keep praying. Because we're told to do that. We're told to pray without ceasing. So it, it, gets, it gets complicated. But I, I think the subject of, of heavenly prayer is so 
uh, apropos for a child-parent relationship, because obviously we've got that written for us in Scripture, but you can think about it. Kids don't really understand always what their parents are thinking and doing. And, and so they, they don't get it. They don't get it. Well, we read in Isaiah where Isaiah says, speaking from God, he says, my thoughts are higher than your ways. My, my ways are higher than you. you don't, we don't think like each other. But that doesn't make us feel any better when our prayers aren't answered. And then to complicate things, we, we can read another verse in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. So what is it? And what's the context in both of those verses? And they seem to contradict each other, but yet they don't. And we know Scripture doesn't contradict Scripture, so we've got to look at the context. I'm not going to go down that path today. But I think we would all agree at some point, God simply just says no. And we don't like that. That's God. And we might not know the reason. We kind of like the reason, because then the reason is the bow. Oh, I get it. That's why. Gotcha now. I'm good. Well, it's not good. It's just no. Another reason that God may not answer our prayers is it's, it's not now. It's wait. It's called delayed gratification. Something we're all really good at as adults. We teach kids that. And we've got it mastered as adults. No, we don't. We might observe that our children tend to be a little too demanding, so we might kind of hold something back from them just because we want to teach them delayed gratification. Boy, you know what? I think I might need that as well because I'm as impulsive as the next guy. I love what Gemma does. Gemma, do you do this all the time or just some of the time? She sends the kids, because she watches like 100 kids a day or whatever it is. She sends the kids to bed with a Skittle and an Easter egg. Gemma, you do this once in a while? With one Skittle. And that little rug rat can decide if they want to eat that Skittle or if they want to hold that Skittle in that Easter egg, bring it out after my nap, and then I get two Skittles. Is that not great? I love that. I mean, it teaches them delayed gratification. You do that, right, Gemma? It teaches them delayed gratification. Does it, do you end up with like mostly two, mostly one, or kind of a split? Mostly they wait. I think my granddaughter was the only one that couldn't wait. But anyhow, <laughs> so, so they, get, they get two. And we're not too far from that, are we? God, I want my prayer, and I want it now. I want it now. I'm not really thinking about waiting. God, I want it now. And I don't know about you, but, but I've experienced an 11th hour God all too many times, right? When I'm waiting and God shows up, but just at the very last few seconds, like the last few seconds of a Western Michigan basketball game where all of a sudden the game is a win. So I, we, my coach was, was Mike that night, and so I asked Greg to see if he could put a couple of sound bites of the coach, and we're going to hear some of the audio, but Greg said, I can't. I have to bleep out so many words, I can't put it in there, but... Just kidding, Coach. He, uh, he was Mike, but we didn't put it on the audio. So I don't like the 11th hour stuff, but you know what? I'm used to it. I'm getting used to it. And so my faith is growing, and we're going to talk about that aspect of it in a minute. So God could just say no. God could say, you know what? Just wait. Or God could say, you know what? I'm going to guide you into another direction. I'm going to guide you. Kind of like I'm going to shut door A and I'm going to open door B. And that was never as clear in my mind as our selection of a pastor. We had a committee that went through hundreds of resumes, fed them on down to the elders, and a little bit of a team there, and we had the perfect candidate. We all felt the peace about it. We all prayed about it. We all thought, this is the guy. We got the perfect guy. Until we got on the phone with the guy. And then God just shut it down. It was universal. We were all aiming for the same guy. 
And then God just said, no, it's not that guy. And there was like this, we were on the speakerphone, and so we were all looking at each other, and it was like, oh, man, we had the perfect one. So then Ken reached down in the garbage can, he pulled out a resume, it said Kyle on it, we unrolled that thing. <laughs> well, we got to get somebody here. Actually, God continued to shepherd us and guide us because we had a couple other options and every option was stripped away except Kyle. And Kyle only sent out one resume. And so God perfectly lined us up, but it really wasn't what we thought it was going to be. We had this guy over here. But clearly we would argue that God sent us Kyle. We would never deny that. And so God pushed us in another direction. So our unanswered prayer was God's way of saying, nope, we're going this way. And so finally, the last one that I want to talk about as far as why God doesn't answer our prayers is it's possible that we're just harboring sin in our life. I mean, all of us are sinners, so we're not exempt from that. But Psalm 66 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't hear me. And so there's this thought of sort of um, cherished sin. Another translation says it. I like that. Cherished sin. Or, or if I hadn't confessed the sin of, in, in my heart. So there's something in between me and God that is just not permitting a holy God to hear me, to hear me. And again, the parent-child, we can kind of see, um, you know, if your child has an attitude or something, we might say, you know, as long as you're going to talk to me like that, I'm not going to hear you. We get that. We've done that. But maybe sometimes God does that to us. And maybe we're in a spot where, yeah, there's some things need to be kind of cleared out before I'm really going to listen to you. Something between me and you. But I think the greater impact um, of unanswered prayer is the power in my personal growth. And so I want to address the question of what might God be doing in my life through those prayers that seem to be unanswered. So from a, from a, from a macro view, um, unanswered prayer maybe is, is God's effort to, to close the relational gap between his heart and my heart. See, we're naturally tempted to pray our heart versus his heart's desire. So we read about that in David, how often David was a man after my own heart. But it's hard to get to that place where I've resigned my heart's desire for God's heart's desire. It's a maturity spot. Because we've been born selfish. I want. You see a child saying, that, right? I, I want because I want because I'm a child. But with time, the child comes to know the heart of the parent better. But the child really only understands the parent's heart best when that child grows up and becomes a parent of their own children. And then they sort of get it. Oh. I see. It wasn't as simple as I just want it. I want it now, expletive, and you're not giving it to me. And as a child grows, you know, the, the, the parents seem off for, for denying those requests, but when they get older, they, they sort of understand the heart of the parent when they become a parent. Now, the metaphor breaks down because we never become God. But we better understand the heart of God and unanswered prayers about seeing life and our request from God's point of view. 
So you, you've, you've heard, you know, a child demanding from his parent, you know, I want this, I want that, and the child says, you know, what's the magic word? And the parent says, now. Well, there's a couple problems with that one. Is uh, First thing, we're demanding from a higher intellect and a higher authority. You hear me on that one? A higher intellect and a higher authority we're demanding. But they're also, we're also looking for instant gratification, that child is. See, the children aren't raising parents, or they're really not designed to. It works right in my clinical office when I see children raising parents. That's just called job security. I've got you for a long time. It's a really upside-down model, but man, oh man, I see it a lot. Children are raising parents. It's not a pretty picture, but we kind of get the thought that maybe we're kind of raising God. No, God is raising us. And we didn't create God. God created us, right? We're the clay. He's the potter. We often forget about that when we want to request. We want to request now. So our, um, our response to a prayer has a lot to do with our spiritual journey. If we have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we're going to sort of try to pray, and when pray, prayer fails, we've got proof that there is no God. Or if we've been through a traumatic time where God didn't protect us from that, it really skews our view of God if we don't know the heart of God, if we don't have our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I get involved with a lot of people in my clinical work as a, as a life coach and therapist, um, that have been through trauma. And trauma can really mess with us. And so I was talking with an individual who had been through some pretty serious trauma within the family. And at some point, I kind of approached the spiritual conversation, what role does spirituality play in your life? I'm a pretty re religious guy. But he very calmly and very matter-of-factly said, but there's some things God just can't do. And if a person really is going to do something, God can't stop them which was a clear witness, right, to his trauma that somebody had done something to him. And since it didn't get stopped, God can't stop that. And so very comfortably and very matter-of-factly, he said there's things that God just can't do. He can't stop people if they're really bent on doing something. I didn't get into it with him yet. I mean, time. But I thought, oh, my heart hurt. Because he really believes, because he doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that God really just can't do some things. And if you're a new believer, you've come to know Christ and you kind of use prayer as this tool that you pull out of your toolbox, but then you get really bummed out when it doesn't work. I don't know, it just didn't work for me. But as we mature with Christ, and as we walk with Christ, we realize that it's still going to stumble us, but we get a better handle on it. But the stumbling part kind of depends on what we're asking for. It's one thing to pray about a new car, right? I wish I had a car. But when I'm, and it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, well, it didn't happen. But if I'm praying for things like pain and suffering, things that are, that are going to be more visceral for us, and that doesn't happen, I don't know what to do with that, because it, it, it stumbles me. And I think the main reason it stumbles me is my emotions get in the way. See, my emotions are real, but they don't always define reality. So they're real, but reality is not always what I feel. And so when things happen, and it causes me to, to feel messed up, to feel like, ah, oh, maybe God doesn't hear me, maybe God can't do that, then I've really got to process my emotions and then follow the will of God. So God gave us our emotions, so need, no need to kind of get wrapped around the axle because we have them, but it's knowing how to process them and then still follow the will of God. It's all about inclining our hearts toward God, which is a, a phrase out of Joshua 24. Inclining our hearts towards God. It's really what it comes down to, which is not an easy task. But it's a heart that's tuned 
tuned to God, much like the old radios and the old rabbit ears and the TVs, right? There was an analog, there was a, where's the position from the source kind of a thing? Are we lined up with God, right? The digital thing, the binary, black and white, just doesn't cut it because that's not the relationship with God. It's not digital or binary. Our salvation is, but not our walk with God. And that's kind of comes into the where we lined up with God in these requests. It's a lot of fine-tuning. So here's a question I have for you, and I'm hoping I have a slide for this. Do we want the presence of God, or do we want the presence of God? Now, for those of you that are listening on audio, the second word is, second word is spelled P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. But there is absolutely no difference in the English language as we say those two words, which I thought was pretty interesting. What do we want? The presence? God, be with me? Or do we just want, give me what you give me? Isn't that powerful? I mean, you can't say those two words differently. You're saying them in your head right now, Trump. Some of you are saying audibly. I hear you saying them. Come on. But you can't say them differently. They're the same word. And sometimes I think we stumble over that. God, I want you here, but bring the goods. Kyle mentioned two weeks ago when he spoke that prayer was not transactional, but it was relational. Yet there's some transaction going on through prayer. But God's not a vending machine. D6, I get this. No, it's not the way it turns out. But there is some transaction, but it's much more relational. We know that, but we have to continually ask ourselves, do we want to be in his presence? Trust his presence? Trust his sovereignty? Or do we only want the provisions? I want what I want. Psalm 31, be strong. Let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. It's a heart issue. It comes down to a heart issue. Let your heart take courage. So as we wait for the Lord, what are some things that can happen to our hearts or our minds? That's the real essence, I think, of unanswered prayers. What's God doing to reshape, reconfigure my heart, my mind, my desires, um, yeah, my, my outlook? So pick a number, pick five. There could be 105. I don't know, but I just want to grab, grab five of them. What's God doing? First thing is our faith can grow. Our faith can grow through unanswered prayer. We become more trusting in God, more faith. We, if we don't go the other way and, and, and get all bitter and get all bummed out. Again, the, the verse that I said before in Isaiah 55 where, you know, my ways are higher than your ways, God says. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God says, do, do we really believe that? I mean, can we grow in our faith of knowing that I don't understand why this prayer wasn't answered, but I know he's thinking bigger than me and he's, he's, his, his ways are bigger than me. Can we grow in that? Or the, the oft-quoted verse from Romans uh, um, 8.28, God causes all things to work together for you. We know that verse, we love that verse until it applies to us, then we don't love that verse. But can we grow in our faith in a sovereign God? I know that I know that God causes all things to work together for good. So I'm just going to trust my heavenly silence and grow in my faith. I mean, amen, that's one option of an unanswered prayer. I'm going to choose to grow in faith. Another possibility could be I learn more about prayer. Conflict, some people hate it, 
it actually clarifies issues. Appropriate levels of conflict can actually clarify an issue. So James 4 says this, you don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. So we don't have because we don't ask. Are we asking specifically? We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks as well. Are we asking? Do we know who we're talking to? This is God. Are we asking specifically? Or are we praying just simply to gratify ourselves? Kyle said, are we using God or are we serving God? Isn't that profound? I love that when he says that. Are we using God or are we serving God? I know what I want, but do I know that God wants the same thing? And a classic one for that might be healing. We had a great discussion with a bunch of men from a bunch of different churches with a bunch of different um, mentalities and life experiences. Talk about that subject at a Bible study I'm involved. And it was a tremendous time to kind of wrestle with the issues. Does God always want everybody healed all the time? I, I don't know. You have to wrestle with that. Does it always happen? Well, no. We've seen it not happen. So it's, it's forcing us to learn more about prayer. And then we can be humbled by unanswered prayer. We're understanding better our limitations and God's power. So Psalm 39 says this, but now Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. That last song we sang. That's why I said we could have sang that for 20 minutes. It would have been my sermon. My hope is in you. I hope in you through my prayer versus since I prayed this thing, I need you to do what I asked you to do. God, listening? Since you're not doing it, I think you're not listening. And then Psalm 130 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. That's called delayed gratification. Two Skittles, one Skittle. My soul waits for the Lord. And in his word, his word, I hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than the watchman for the morning. My soul waits for the Lord. I know God's going to show up, but I don't know what the outcome of my prayer is going to be. If I've walked with God long enough, I know that God will never leave me. He says that. I know it. But man, I feel like since my prayer wasn't answered, my soul waits for the Lord. And in his word, I hope. Another psalm, Psalm 22, which is kind of a messianic psalm, oft quoted, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. By night, but I find no rest. You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and they were saved. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. You go through the Psalms and you'll find a truckload of emotional and physical responses to unanswered prayer, right? David had a heart after God's heart. But this is David crying out, God, I know what you've done, God. I've seen you in action, God. Where are you now? He's being humbled by it. So it's not just us that simply has unanswered prayer. David is a lovely example 
of realizing that sometimes it's yes and sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's da 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 da. Because essentially, unanswered prayers is a funeral. It's a death of what I want or what I hoped I would get or wouldn't get. And it leads to sadness and humility. I kind of like funerals. It's a humbling experience, but it's a reality check. We all end up there. And so it's a humbling experience to go to a funeral. We just had one here. It's humbling. But that's a healthy character quality for a Christ follower. Be humbled. And the fourth thing is prayer life can increase. Right? There's perseverance in prayer when I don't get my prayers answered. I persevered in prayer for my daughter in 2002, Lynette, who died at the age of 12. I persevered in prayer. I persevered in prayer. I persevered in prayer until it really wasn't answered. And then I shut it off. It took all the air out of my prayer balloon. And I stopped praying. Because if God didn't heal her and take care of what I wanted, then why should I pray? And so I had to really relearn prayer. And I might be still in process on the subject of relearning prayer. But there's a perseverance along with unanswered prayer that's just such a, a, a necessary component of our life. Job showed that quite well, didn't he? Job had more troubles than any one of us could ever have or think along with all of our neighbors. And, and, and Job's wife was not helpful when she said, Job, just curse God and die and it'll be all good. And he spent 40 chapters with unanswered prayer. He persevered in prayer. He cried out to God. He complained to God. He was even a little petulant with God, a little bit of a whiny with God. So wrestling uh, uh, with an unanswered prayer is essentially wrestling with who is God and who am I? That's the humbling component. I'm wrestling with God through this unanswered prayer because I really think that I need to get what I want to get. Here's a great um, quote from an article uh, by Bob Hostetler, very effectively. God's time zone is different than ours. We can all say amen to that one. He may not show up according to schedule, but sometimes the waiting is as much a part of his plan as the destination. Sometimes the waiting is as much part of his plan as the destination. Prayer increases in the waiting. Prayer increases in the waiting. You've witnessed that yourself. I just keep praying. I just keep praying. I just keep praying. God's good with that. That's communication. He likes that communication. But I say the best, what I think is, is, is the best meaning, not my best. It's, it's the most powerful. Is God is creating a masterpiece of his power and his presence in my life. God is perfecting us according to his level and his measure of perfecting. Would it, would it, would it be irreverent? Would it be irreverent to say that Jesus experienced unanswered prayer? In Mark, three times Jesus prayed to have the cup removed from him. And God essentially said, I have plans for salvation, and you are part of my plan. He essentially said no. I mean, I hadn't thought of that. And I don't mean to be irreverent when I say that, and I hope I'm not coming across that way. But he asked for something, and it wasn't done. I'm going to spend a few minutes in a verse in 2 Corinthians, which I really could spend an entire hour 
But I won't do that because I think we need to get out of here by 2 o'clock. So 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, we, many of us would know these verses. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, he just had a revelation before those verses, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a message of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in the weakness. Therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly of my weakness so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. If you haven't read this verse, welcome to this verse, these verses. If you have read these verses, you've contemplated them on some level. But truth be told, we've all had and probably have a thorn in the flesh. Scripture does not say, which is probably nice, it doesn't say we have no idea. We can speculate, physical, emotional, relational, whatever. There was something going on that I don't want. Who can't say amen to that? There's something in my life that I don't want. Or there's something I want in my life that I can't have. That's a thorn in the flesh. There's this persistent, consistent thing in my life that's not going away. That's a thorn in the flesh. Yeah, but I just want it to go away because I'd feel much better. That's a thorn in the flesh. So we're all, we're all there. I've got mine. You've got yours. We're not going to rank them. But there's something I don't like, and it's not going away. And Paul says, you know what? What he heard from God is my grace is sufficient. My grace, my ability to help you withstand that is greater than the impact of the thing you want to change. My grace is there with you all the way, but you need to grab a hold of my grace. You need to maintain a relationship with me. You need to understand my power in your life while you have that thorn in your flesh. I just want it to go away. I just want my loved one to accept Christ. I just want this to happen. God, this is your, your desire for healing, isn't it? God, this is, you want this, God, don't you? We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey of being perfected by His power and His presence in our lives. And part of that journey is this prayer that isn't being answered in the way that I want it answered. That's part of the journey. That's part of the pray without ceasing. We are being transformed. We're being refined. We're being renewed. We're being changed into these holy people that doesn't gonna, isn't going to happen until two seconds before the end of the game. So God spends our lives refining us. And that's part of the journey is being refined by God through prayers that don't get answered. I'm going to share a personal story. I've shared it here before, but I think it's so powerful and so relevant to what I'm talking about. What would end up being just days before my daughter was taken to heaven? Naturally, I'm crying out to God, God save me, heal my daughter. I'm just repetitively going through that through the night. And as audibly as I ever heard it in my spirit, as audibly as I've ever heard God in my spirit, he said, I know what you want, now worship me. And may it always bring tears to me when I say this, because it was a, it was a transforming moment in my life. Something snapped in me 
as I walked over to the window and she had a room with a view and I just began to worship God for who he is, his presence in my life. Not because I got the present that I wanted because I didn't get it, but I was in his presence. And there's a power in God's presence. And there's a peace in that power, even with unanswered prayer. And so I realized that in that moment, it's my job to cry out to God. It's God's job to decide, how's he going to answer that? How's he going to answer that? And there's that peace in his presence. Not because I got my checklist. God knows my heart. God knows my conditions. God knows what I can handle. I swear I thought I was 14 miles over that line. But God's grace was present with me. It's my job to cry out to God to get into his presence. It's his job to decide, what do I do with that prayer? And as a loving parent always does what's best for the child, a loving God always does what's best for us, and we just don't necessarily see that at the moment. That's the faith. That's the refining process. That's the beauty. And that's the pain of an answered prayer. Do we want his presence or do we just want what he provides? I could go on, but I probably should stop. It's a wonderful topic. It's a wonderful topic because it touches every one of us. And the older we get, the more it touches us because we become more refined. We realize the magnitude of God said no. God is not doing it. But I'm at peace with that. Why don't you stand with me and I'll lead us in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your presence in this room. God, thank you for the vehicle of worship. Thank you for giving us a desire to worship you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to worship you. As we worship you now, God, we realize that we worship you sometimes out of a joyful, exuberant heart. And sometimes we worship you out of painful circumstances. But God, we still worship you. Because we love to be in your presence, God. And we are in your presence here. So God, meet us today. God, nourish our hearts as we need to be nourished. God, connect with us today as we need to be connected with them. Grow us, God. Incline our hearts to meet your heart, God. Sometimes that can only happen through unanswered prayer. We're not putting a pretty bow on it, God. This is you. Sometimes we understand, sometimes we don't. God, we're just falling on our face before you and saying we love you. Thank you for loving us as a parent of the child. In Christ's name. Amen.